Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for Seminal Headlines, featuring Warchant.com's Jeff Cameron, Managing Editor Ira Chofel, and Senior Writer Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, Pistols and Pies, starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. The Seminal Headlines, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV begins right now. If you're watching at home, we're live. We can we can see you. We can read your comments, all that stuff. But the three of us, disparate places, our own, our own abodes, if you will. But shouldn't affect things. And as always, welcome aboard. And don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching on War Chant TV. We appreciate it. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the help and uh, and and letting others. Uh, know where to find us, but also uh, supporting what we do. This hour brought to you, as always, by our friends at Register Sausage. Yay, sausage! We had a new convert this week, boys. Got a new oh. somebody else on the train. Our buddy, oh. uh, national champion Keith Cottrell, mm. had not really and just had not really checked out the Register phenomenon, but was drawn to it. Was in a grocery store the other day, texted me and said, "Hey, I'm not seeing any registers at this grocery store that you told me they would have them." I was like, look, I'll be there in five minutes. Except right. I was in, yeah. it was in quarantine, so I couldn't really. But I, but I was like, I'll, I'll call my goons. We'll take care of it. He looked around a little further. He found them, found the display, got his registered sausage, said it was delicious. So, Keith, we're not cutting you in on the uh, sponsorship, but we appreciate we appreciate that we've got another another guy on board. I mean, I feel like Keith's been a loyal listener for a good long while. Why just now is he getting registered sausage? That kind of stings a little bit. Yeah, you know, one thing I found out about sausage is, like, people – like it's kind of it's regional, you know. Mm. It's one of the things we didn't know before we got into this. And people are kind of, you know, you grow up on a sausage and you stick with that sausage. Right. But we're changing the game. Registers, we are. Is, yeah. is just taking over across the southeast, moving across the country, and uh, got one more one at a time. We're converting mm. to masses. There's two things I've learned here in the opening segment, and I like really both of them. First of all, Ira has graduated to a place where he no longer has to be the heavy hand. He's got people. Right. So people Good. go take care of things. Secondly, I like that Keith has graduated to insisting he be called national champion before you introduce him. And I, I've always said he should do that. I would, yeah. I would certainly do that. So it's good that right off the bat, we've learned something and both things are positive and we'll continue to win over the hearts and minds of those that are a little unsure of which sausage to choose. If he gets, and I, look, if he gets Jano on board and cuts a little testimonial for us, oh. then I think, now we'll now we'll cut him in, but but uh, for now it's just uh, we're gonna go with the, the word of mouth and the attaboy. Registermeats.com is a website. If you haven't tried it out, be like Keith Cottrell. Be be like mm. a national champion. 
You go yeah. get your register sauce. And Sorry. by cut them in, you mean you'll give them a couple of free links? Maybe a pack. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> it's all coming to us. It's all coming to us. Uh, he doesn't need well, it. He's a national boys, champion. He doesn't need it. That's true. Uh, boys, it's been an interesting time. We've all weighed in in one form or another on the end of the baseball season. I don't know that we'll belabor it here. Uh, it's a universally agreed upon disappointing end to a disappointing season in what has been a very disappointing two to three year run. Uh, and by run, I mean, just, uh, stagnant sorriness. Um, and so, you know, when we watch this, we wonder where it's headed. I think that all of us have grave concerns and I can tell that the fan base does too. Uh, I guess we have a chance here. The, collective if you will the collective as it's known uh with seminal headlines um you know we've all we've all shared our opinion individually but uh, i guess we should weigh in one more time here for our seminal headline listeners uh nobody thinks that the season was a success nobody thinks that that is the level to which florida state should play nobody thinks that's saying we're close to the standard and i think that's why, why true of the head- why, why don't you speak for yourself yeah, i thought no, you it was don't a think that's true. success they you, got into the tournament were, you wrote an entire column about it on warchant.com <laughs> well, saying right. otherwise. So uh, I would I would just say that, again, in addition to all of us noting that it was a failure and frustrating and not to the standard of Florida State baseball, the head coach thinks that too. So now the question becomes what gets done about it, what can be done about it, if anything, at this point, and what are, what are our opinions about what will be done? It, it is amazing that, you know, you, there's a lot of times we've had this conversation a lot over the last 10 years about how interested is the fan base in college baseball? Because, you know, it just doesn't seem like it's been the way it was in the 90s. I mean, college baseball, especially at Florida State, seemed to be kind of a, a little bit higher profile than it has been here for a while. And so until you have a season like this and an ending like that and a game like the Auburn game, uh, where you lose 21-7, to seven, that I think it kind of gets everybody a little bit fired up. The other thing that I think has kind of magnified things, and this is unfortunate probably to some degree for Mike Martin Jr., is for whatever reason, I mean, the offense is way up in college baseball. These regionals have all been great. And so it's almost like there's been a couple of years there where you're starting to wonder, man, is college baseball just done? Because there just didn't seem to be a lot of excitement nationally. This has been really fun, this postseason, and Florida State's sitting at home. I think that magnifies it a little bit. Yeah, and it also, look, man, we can talk about – he's not in the room. I was going to say the elephant in the room, but the elephant in South Bend, um, that guy has gotten his team to a super regional. That guy had his team uh, top 10 in the country-ish all all season, top 15-ish. They came in here and swept Florida State. I'm talking about Link Jarrett, of course. And, you know, I was looking it up yesterday, Jeff, and I texted Ira this. Florida State committed 30, what was it, 37 more errors this season than Notre Dame did and struck out 200 more times than Notre Dame has this season. Those are the two things that I think are are the most frustrating, me as a baseball fan watching this team. They can't play defense. Jordan Carrion, in my opinion, is maybe one of the most talented shortstops in the country. I mean, he's he's incre- he's got some incredible skills. He had 17 errors. He didn't last year at Florida. So what happened? Alex Terrell, the most he ever struck out at Miami, and he played every day there, was like in the low 50s. This year he struck out 77 times. So what what go? So it's not just the, the, the kids that he's getting out of high school maybe don't adjust well. It's the kids that have done it at other places, for whatever reason, um, don't, don't seem to maximize their potential here and then sometimes get worse. Jordan Carrion, I mean, he made some plays early on this season where you're like, man, this guy's the next Ozzie Smith. 
and then he has the lowest fielding percentage on the team. So that's to me that's that's really uh, discouraging, and I and I don't know what that means other than maybe they're really tight, maybe they're all really tight, but they don't seem to play as them as their best selves. Yeah, I, think- you know, I don't even know if it's tight. You know, to to me sometimes I don't know, Jeff. I, I, sometimes to me it almost seems like there's not a focus. It's 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 not. There might be situations where guys are tight, but I think the base running blunders a lot of times are overly aggressive. The The approach at the plate is overly aggressive. I mean, with two strikes, it doesn't matter. They're swinging out of their shoes. I mean, there's just uh, in a situation where you just got to hit a ground ball on the right side of the infield to get a run home. They don't do it. I mean, those the, to me, it's a lack of focus more than it is being tight. Well, I think ultimately, and, and no matter how much it pains anybody to say it, what we're describing when you're talking about a team that doesn't run the bases well, that strikes out incessantly, that doesn't walk and has a low on base percentage, that doesn't communicate. Well, and then you want to throw in maybe plays tight. That's coaching, guys. There's no way around it. That's all coaching. Uh, I think that it snowballs. I think that it kind of collapsed on itself at varying points this year. I think that maybe in an effort, uh, to, to pivot away from a certain way of playing or thinking. Uh, they've tried to, to, to do other things, and it doesn't work. It feels like there's a lot of almost flailing uh, going on with this team. Like, if this isn't working, well, let's do this, or let's simplify that, or let's take a different approach. It just feels like to me that he hasn't been able to put his finger on the pulse of his team, and then that in turn has led to frustrating results, which in turn leads to pressing, which in turn leads to desperation. And I think when you see that, you know, it's it's fairly evident when we watch these games. That's not a very cohesive team. It doesn't look like a team that likes playing together. I could be wrong about that. I, I'm not in that locker room. I'm not on that field with them. But they don't look like they're having a lot of fun. And certainly what's inarguable is that the results are unacceptable. And so the results are what matter most. We all have an opinion about maybe why they're at where they're at. But at the end of the day, this is not a program aspires to get lucky to get into the postseason only to be bounced in a sub-regional and win one game. And one of those games, by the way, in which you lose, you're humiliated in primetime in a way that you expect teams that you rarely have ever heard of playing baseball get beat in these postseason tournaments because they lack the pitching. Um, You know, this is this is nothing like what we've come to understand Florida State baseball to be. And so ultimately, no matter whose fault it is, it falls at the feet of the head coach. And I think certainly he's well aware of it. Um, you, you you saw a guy at the dais after that game in which they lost, heartbreakingly so, by a run that looked like he was uh, deep in thought, deep in thought, because I do believe Meat is a realist. I do believe he does not run from the standard. I don't think that he uh, finds this acceptable. And so ultimately, if you're in charge and you're sitting there at the dais having been bounced yet again very early and not look good doing it and not had a good season in, you know, during the regular season, you've got to turn inward and wonder, what is it I'm doing? What is it I'm not doing? I think it's the regular season point that is uh, the most concerning to me because, look, man, Florida and Miami didn't advance either, you know, they, which is great. We're all happy about that, right? That's, Miami losing at home. By that's the way, the good, that's the one good thing that's happened for Mike Martin Jr. this week is yeah. that both of those two teams got bounced. But I don't. I, that's why I don't like getting caught up so much in postseason results because those two teams were superior to Florida State by a pretty substantial margin during the regular season. Um, you know, mine was a national seed. Florida State, Florida got to host. 
Um, Florida State was a number three seed on the road and apparently was one of the last four teams in the tournament. So these three things aren't the same, and that's what concerns me the most. It's not just the two and four that he's in in the postseason in his career. It's that these regular seasons, like it's one thing to be a national seed and get upset, like the like the softball team did. The softball team still had a great season in a really disappointing finish. This season, this postseason played out just like the regular season did. This is an average baseball team. It's a barely, it's a top 35-ish baseball team right now. 30 to 35 uh, ranking, which it, you know, we're used to it being top 10 every year. And so that's, that to me, how, how, no matter what happened in Auburn this weekend, yeah, they could have saved some face and somehow won that regional. And then all of a sudden, hey, you know, it wasn't bad you're in a super regional, but it wouldn't have been uh it wouldn't have been commiserate is that what i say commensurate commensurate with the regular season because the regular season was an up and down train wreck for a lo- large part of it but and, that's what's and, weird but that's what's weird about this team though is look at their record against good teams and the miami team who you just said had such a better season they beat them two out of three florida they easily could have beat two out of three they beat some really good teams this year what's yeah. weird is and it gets back to my concerns about lack of focus and lack of just cohesion is the fact that you had all of the crazy losses in games where they were not competitive and in situations in games where they're not competitive. Almost all me, on the road, almost all on the road yeah, too. And think about some of the guys they put on their, in, on the mound in big situations in that regional were things that we saw this year where guys just didn't compete. That's that to me is the fabric. You know, that when, when me right. looks in the mirror, like you said, Jeff, they, he's got to look in the mirror, figure out what's not working. I don't think it's about talent necessarily. I don't think it's about um, filling holes. I mean, those are important, but I really think there's there's something missing in this team in terms of that com- competing. Because you, you might not, you're going to get on the mound. There's days you go on the mound and you don't have don't your best have stuff. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it with Parker Messick, but you can compete. There were a couple of guys in that regional who did not want to compete. You could see it when they went out there. Maybe there's something physical going on. I don't know, but that's stuff we've seen throughout the year. And then you see at bats that are not competitive. You see fielding opportunities that are not competitive. That's concerning. I think, again, going back to – you're right to look at the bulk of the regular season as the barometer. I, I always tend to do that because postseason, we know in truncated tournaments, things can happen. You're right to point that out, Corey. Uh, the, the thing of it is, though, as you also pointed out, and we've talked about on this show and on my show and on Wake Up War Chant, and certainly it's been written about on WarChant.com, the style of play is dreadful. It's it's unwatchable. Yeah. Uh, they don't run the base as well. They don't pick up the baseball. They're absent-minded, to Ira's point. They swing and miss more than every other team in this conference. Without without the power that should go with it. Without like the power can... to go with. So if you're not going to get on base and you're not going to pick up the baseball, and if you do get on base, you're not going to run the base as well, and you're going to swing and miss a lot without the home run bonus. What is it you say you do here? Yeah, what, what is there? Like, what do you, what, what, when Meade is going into a, a recruit's home, I don't know, do they do that in college baseball or are they just meet him at the concession stand during one of those travel tournaments? I don't know how college baseball official visits work uh, or in home visits, but what do you, what do you think he says or his coaches say when, when somebody asks, how would you describe FSU baseball? Like, what is the, what is the core of it? In you transition, know, in transition, and we need your talent to help get us over the, you know, over the top. Yeah. But what would y'all um, say is the FSU baseball style of play? Well, what's like weird th- is these last four years. What is you it? Know, I, you know, again, man, going back to historically, the program is built on pitching no, and defense. I'm not talking. I'm talking about. Oh, well, but I'm recent just saying. Historic. I know. I'm just saying. But Mike Martin Jr. was part of that. Yeah, sure. So he, that's where he comes from. But what's weird is he did want to embrace this new approach offensively and kind of 
get away from – I mean, remember his first press conference? I was kind of shocked. His first press conference, he talked about how aggressive he wants them swinging at the first pitch. I mean, it was almost like all – it was like anti-Mike Martin Sr. Yeah. Well, okay, but do you know how to teach that stuff? Because it seems like right now they're trying to have that approach, but without any, without any of the results. So that's weird. Well, yeah. we should also note towards the end of the season, the once thought to be dominant pitching staff was anything but. Yeah. Uh, as the season wore on, you had one dependable arm. That was supposed to be a staff self-described by the head coach as perhaps the best in the country. With a bunch of major leaguers on it. Yeah, well, they weren't close. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think, I, I don't think they were anything close to what they expected them to be, especially from about the midway point on. And you would want to know why that is too. Now, the problem you get into, I think, and we've hinted at this a little bit, what do you do if you decided to make some changes on your coaching staff? If you don't have an extension, I don't know that you can really do that. Right. I mean, it's right. a, this is an interesting quandary they find themselves in. You'll almost have to remain status quo, change some things philosophically, try to relate to the players in a way that your message gets through, whatever that is, uh, and hope like hell things begin to turn around next year because your talent seems to be with some of the younger players, at least offensively. Because otherwise, I don't know that you can really make changes here without an extension to the head coach. Well, that's well, it, yeah, no, that's a good point. And sorry, Corey, but I just wanted. There's two things with that. One is, it is a big deal. I'm not as big, I'm not as concerned about a long term extension or any extension for head coach in baseball for the players for recruiting. That's what everybody talks about with football and basketball. Oh, the players need to know that that coach is going to be there for four or five years. Baseball to me is so transient that I don't think that that's that big of a deal. But to your point, if you want to make a change on your staff, those potential assistant coaches they're not would, coming if you're a dead man walking. Right, right, hundred percent. So that unless it, it's Kevin Steele and he thinks he's getting your job, but for the most <laughs> part, that's right. that's going to be that's going to be a tough sell. The yeah. other thing that's going to be tough in this situation right now, and, and so to the point is, you know, if Michael Alford wants to help remedy that and give him an extension, how do you handle that? from a PR standpoint. The other thing though, I think it's going to be interesting out of this whole thing is we all know it. We all grew up playing baseball. We've been around it our whole lives. Now your, your sons play it. I've coached it for a long time at the youth level. There are no group of parents who think they know more about the sport their kids are playing than baseball. And they imagine the opinions of those baseball players, parents, and, and, you know, we're, we've heard stories and, and that's going to be going on. So that's going to be another challenge because you're going to have, you know, 20 or 25 sets of parents who are not happy at all and may want to voice their displeasure. And that is going to could muddy the waters a little bit. Final thing on this. I thought it was intriguing that when Mike Martin Jr. was asked the question about their poor base running and about fielding difficulties, he said, you know, I'm never going to roll a player under the bus but you explain things once, twice, three times, and you hope it gets through. If it doesn't, that's back on us. So he did take responsibility, but he said that in the, the post-game press conference for the final game of the year. Yeah. He understood that that was a fair question. He has to be thinking long and hard about why is it what I'm teaching them does not translate at all? Or why don't they care? Why don't they care? Why, like, why, why would Tibbs not care enough to know what the hit-and-run sign is? Why is Ferrer tagging up from second on a pop-up to the second baseman? Why is Tyler Martin getting picked? That's your dad, That's your son. Why is he getting picked off on a ball that bounces a foot away? And then how is Rank getting picked off 
on a on a on a kind of a sloppy move to first from a lefty. Like, and that's in just one game. That's not the whole. That doesn't count Toral and some other stuff we've seen. Um, that just, that's what's so. Again, man, it's like what's going to change? Like, I want to see it change. And we 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 thought they were going to be better defensively this year. They weren't. Maybe they were a smidge better, but that's just because they were so bad last year. Basically, it was the exact same offense we saw last year without Matt Nelson. That's all. That so nothing progressed. Nothing progressed from last year to this year. Nothing. It didn't get any better at all. Uh, the strikeouts remained, but you lost the power of Cabell, Martin, and Nelson. So well, you had nothing to fall back on. What's crazy about it, though, is the, what you're talking about, again, what I was talking about earlier, is that lack of edge and competitiveness and, and, and fight that seems to be lacking. That was kind of what Meat was as a player and what he was as an assistant coach and what he wanted to embody in the program. Yeah. And that is just not happening. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They weren't mentally tough this year. I don't know how else to say it. They weren't. They went eight and seventeen away from Hauser. Some of them embarrassing losses, like to Stetson, to Mercer, getting shut out by getting shut out by Stetson, losing by two touchdowns to Auburn. Those are those are losing to Boston College, getting swept by North Carolina. All that stuff happened on the road because they weren't in the friendly confines and they just didn't compete. Good news, gentlemen. The twenty twenty two Bill Connolly SP projections are out. Oh, yeah. good. You know how much I love these, both SP Plus for around the nation, plus the ACC, and predicted Atlantic Division. So something for us to go through, and I'll tell you where Florida State was ranked. And, Corey, you, you want me to break down SP Plus for you when we come back? You want me please, to do that? Please do. Please do. Take about five <laughs> minutes if you can. It's coming up next. Seminole Headlines, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Ho, 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 horizons. It took, Bar and grill. It took all the strength I had not to interrupt you, turn off your mic, and go home. Do you like how I closed my eyes when I sang? Too? Oh, believe me, that was the best part. I didn't look at it, thankfully. It was unbelievable. He looked like like Al Jarreau or something. <laughs> <laughs> like Luther Vandross. Well, he was reference. making sure it was there. I want to apologize to Horizon Sports Bar and Grill. Uh, their delicious food uh, should not be overlooked by Corey's singing. Man, that's a great jingle game. the restaurant itself. Uh, but Horizons Bar and Grill is where, Ira? Bannerman Crossing. You're damn right North it is. East Tallahassee mm. off Thomasville Road and Bannerman Road. It's, uh, man, it's just, it's incredible food, incredible people, incredible beers. It's spirits. where we are a lot. We're, hey, before a, the end of the group. week, fellas, uh, any week, like you could be listening to this six weeks from yeah. now, let's let's all get together at Horizons Bar and Grill. We're there a lot. We really are. So if you want to see this in person, this trio <laughs> in person. Never mind the food. You get to see the three of us. But yeah, the food and the, the drinks, the the patio, it's all good, man. It's all working. If it's you, all working at And Horizons. if you sing the theme song, they'll give you some free food, I think. I think you get the bill is paid for if you sing the song. But with, you have to sing it like I do. And with, tell them Corey's thing. With a bar tab. Yes, it's amazing. Correct. It's incredible. It's it incredible. Keeps growing. They're yes. so kind. Seminal Headlines returns now. Head to YouTube and search for War Chant TV today to catch the show live or on demand. Now, here's Jeff Cameron, Ira Chofel, and Corey Clark. Welcome back. Seminal Headlines, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant uh, TV. And Corey, you recall, you recall SP+. Plus. Ira, I know you do. We had some fun with it. But moreover, it's just a fun way to kind of, once again, talk football and get into where Florida State projects to be. Actually, I dare say that if we're going to go ACC, SP+, Plus kind of projected uh, where we all think Florida State should be and, and, and maybe has a chance to be. And that was third in the Atlantic behind Clemson and NC State. So I don't think anybody's going to have any issue with that, by the way. That's pretty exciting, right? Seems about right. That would be, I think that'd be a solid season. That, that seems like a, uh, a five-win uh, ACC campaign, maybe six wins. Okay, and so we've been 
and we've been asking for getting to the point where you're beating Wake Forest and Louisville again. And that that's what you kind of need to do to separate yourself from those teams in the Atlantic. Yeah, those projections would have Florida State with an offensive ranking coming into the season uh, in the top 50 oh. and a defensive ranking in the top 20. Oh. It would also have a team winning on average. This team, uh, the number would be set at seven and a half, and the conference win total would be set at 4.6. So, okay. yeah, if you're going to take the over there, that's eight-win season. That's, a, uh, you know, again, a five-win, eight-win season. Norvell should go ask for an extension right now and just show them that. Just bring that in or send the PDF to offer. Be like, look, man, look what I'm doing. S&P thinks we're going to win some games. So SP hey. Plus is Bill Connolly's system on ESPN, for those that don't know it. It judges returning production, recent recruiting, recent history on the field as well. It doesn't account for everything. It's just a measuring tool, but it's a pretty good one over year to year. And it's it's a way to take a look at, you know, what a team's thought to be coming into the season. He readily admits that there are a lot of things that it doesn't factor. For example, it doesn't factor, for example, a new coaching staff basically at Clemson. Like they've lost three major assistant coaches in the last three years uh, between Elliott and Scott and, of course, Brent Venables. So how do you factor that in, right? You may think that this is a program on the way down because of it, but SP Plus does not factor that. And not just coordinators, but maybe the best defensive coordinator in the country and uh, really good offensive coordinators. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely a useful tool. But what it also does is, you know, something we've been talking about is, you know, we haven't given Mike Norvell and the staff a pass in the last two years, but we have explained that there are a lot of issues they've had to deal with. This is a year now where, okay, man, you've got a lot of guys back. You've done really well in the transfer portal. You have returning experience everywhere. You kept your staff together. You don't have a lot of inexperienced players playing. You should have the cohesiveness, the culture, all that in the right place. And now you got to go win games. So what it does also is it kind of removes – you know, any of the excuses or many of the excuses, because this is a team that should be in that ballpark. It should be a team that wins about eight games, goes five and three in the ACC, doesn't get embarrassed. And maybe, you know, and if, it, if they knock off a team or two that are not expected to, which is possible, then you maybe could have a really even in, in, an even better season. Yeah, I mean, if they just play like they did the last two months of the season, right? That's, that's what we're asking this season to be. Like, if you just flush September of last year, this was an S&P you know, seven and a half, eight win team. You know, they won five of their last eight. Two of them were by a field goal on the road at Clemson and Florida. So, and the other one, Jordan Travis didn't play. So I, I feel like they, they, they be, even if they don't get any better, they, they're good enough to do that. The, the other projection on SP plus to note, if we're looking nationally where Florida state comes in and we remove them, you know, just, we're not just solely looking at the ACC is uh, they come in at 28th nationally coming guys, into the season. Doing, that's high cotton guys. We're top 30? Are you kidding me? Yeah, they come in They come in 28th. They're just ahead of uh, Nebraska and Louisville, and they are uh, just behind Iowa and Arkansas. Suck it, Huskers. Sorry. Sorry. Good hire there on with Frost. They won, what are you, that, 30th in that's the as well thought of. That's as well thought of as a three-win team can be, my friends. Uh, yeah. Nebraska won three games a year ago. Now they, but they were close, right? Didn't they lose a lot by of like, close. A, like a, lot of a close. field goal in five different games? Uh, yeah, man. I, I Yeah, they, if they could be top 30, like I know that's not what we want. We say that all the time. Or I say it all the time. That's not what we grew up with. It's not what you guys watch this show for is to cheer for a top 30 football team. But two years ago – it was bottom 30. It might have been bottom two. It was just disgusting. 
And so in, in two years, if you can make those strides up uh, to be a top 37, eight, eight win bowl team playing close to New Year's Day, well, that's a nice step on your journey back up the mountain. Eight wins, Ira. We're all going to be happier than hell and feeling good. You know, that's the thing, man. I, I do think, uh, you know, again, when you talk about it, there are certainly some people who when they hear any talk of like, oh, this could be a much better season where you win eight games. There are a lot of people who really want to get back to where Florida State, they believe it belongs and should always be. Um, but I think people who are realistic, yeah, I think most people are. I've also had some interesting conversations lately. I'm curious what you guys, as you talk to other people around the fan base, like I've had a lot of people tell me how excited they are about that LSU weekend, which is cool, man, because there hasn't been a lot to be excited about Florida State football in quite some time. So the fact that people are excited about that game and making reservations and complaining about how expensive it is and, and all of that, that at least people are seeing some signs of some reason for optimism because there are some people who don't see any. And are, how much are, of that, though, is New Orleans being excited for New Orleans? Like if this game was in Orlando, maybe it's not – you're not know, having you, those so many conversations about it. It's probably a part, but, man, you can go to New Orleans whenever you want. It's six hours away. Um, people are excited about that game. I think people are legitimately excited about that game and that weekend. The venue's part of it, um, but I think part of it's the fact that they're playing a team that seems possibly beatable where LSU is right now in, in a state of transition. There is some reason for excitement about this Florida State team. So it's like, okay, this could be a chance to actually have a fun weekend where you actually win a football game against a team that matters on prime time. That I think that has some people some pretty fired up, and that's and we're in June. So I think the excitement is going to start to crank up, which is, again, man, we just haven't had it. You get the best of both worlds with that game because you get a team in name that is right. very significant, but one that's in transition and obviously a new coaching staff coming off a terrible season. By the way, just for the record, again, it's not the be-all, end-all. LSU is 36th in SB Plus coming into the season. So Florida State's ranked ahead of LSU in that particular ranking system, um, they, they have LSU trending very much in the wrong direction. Again, doesn't account for coaching staffs and the impact you think they're going to have, and they have a new one at LSU. So obviously take account to that. But yeah, it's a winnable game against a name-brand team out of the biggest and most powerful conference in all of college right. football, and it happens to be in a venue in New Orleans that most people, at least for a weekend, find absolutely attractive to go visit. So – it's the best of all things. You get to go and drink and gamble and have fun and eat great food and experience different culture, which is awesome. And you get to play a game against a name team who you actually have a legitimate shot at beating. And I'm excited about the craps table. So, guys, I don't yeah. know if you know this. The last year I've tried to become a craps aficionado. There's a lot of stuff, Ira. I don't know if you've ever played it. It's uh, it's ridiculous. It's really hard to keep track of all the bets you can make. Yeah, it's impossible. And and I'm always intimidated by it because you just feel like you're going to go make an ass of yourself. That's what I'm saying. Because you're not going to know what's going on. In New Orleans, at least the last time I went at, at Harris, they have their – it's like a uh, automated craps with real dice, but you get your own station to sit at. So you're making all your bets without having to throw it over people. Like, hey, give me – 20 on uh, you know hard eight or something you don't have to do that and hold up people because it's it's a huge you just get your own station are you're just sitting there playing so, craps let me ask you guys this and i know Corey's. i know some of Corey's take because i know his habits in the casino jeff but so i've been you know as any good father i've been spending this summer you know re, re, kind of honing my my daughter's skills at poker um at hold'em because that's what we do around the Showfell household smart and then they wanted to learn some blackjack so we've been going over some blackjack tips and, and trades 
But I don't really like blackjack. To me, it blackjack feels... Blackjack sucks. I hate Thank blackjack. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Corey. I feel like it, it's just... There's there's so... It just feels like... I don't get this. There's not that much strategy. You've got your cards. You're either going to hit or you're not going to hit. You're going to split or you're not going to split. You may double down. But there's just not... Poker, man, there's a lot more going on. Where's, where's, there's where's, a lot where's more Jeff's going on. I will only interrupt to say that the percentage-wise most winnable of the games of which we speak is indeed blackjack. So mm-hmm. if you'd like a better chance and better odds of winning, about the money, winning money while you're gambling, blackjack is where you want to go. Now, Corey is going to go over there and play craps, and he has no idea how to win, and he's going to get his ass taken That's again. That's not true. I and know what I should be doing. It just never works out for me. But he'll tell me how much fun he's having. Right. I'll win a boring game like blackjack and take home thousands of dollars. And, and really, you're not winning thousands of dollars at blackjack. Oh, he's, but also, he's, playing, he's playing the hundred dollar table. Well, he might be. You're at the, you're on the high roller table. Corey, so Corey, the last time I was in Vegas, I took home over five thousand dollars in blackjack. Don't start. Well, did with you? Me. Hey, did you tell the? Did you tell the IRS about it? But, but did you have fun? Don't you worry about what I did or didn't do, Corey. <laughs> did you? Not. Did you? Did you have fun? Yes. Like, Yes. Like, you know what I like doing, Corey? I, I, I like winning. I like winning lots of money, buddy. Like, That's a lot of fun for me. All I used to do was play blackjack because I was so intimidated by the craps table because it makes sense. It's just a, it's so loud. It's like a, its own club scene over there. You don't know what you're doing. But blackjack, number one, the dealer always flips over a 10. Always. Always. Well, you have to expect that. And if the dealer flips over a six and I double, and I double down on my nine or whatever, I'll get a four. The dealer will flip over a five. <laughs> an ace and then a nine and hit 21. Oh, isn't this fun? This, uh, I mean, it just, it's, it's, uh, it's just mind numbing and I always lose. So that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, I am a cop, Bobby. <laughs> I just want to know you big man winning $5,000. I hope some of us, some of us taxpayers, some of the uh, country got some of that. Corey's <laughs> holding me accountable for my winnings. The, the, the best the cosmopolitan <laughs> six years ago. <laughs> The best uh, game for me around blackjack is trying to circle and circle and circle until I can find a seat at the five dollar table. I just can I get can I get Buddy, in the cheap yeah. table? I can tell you this: in New Orleans that weekend, you're not going to get a five dollar table. You you might get a twenty five dollar table or a, a ten be, if you get there at eight in the morning or something. Driving back to Mississippi, I'm going to try to I'm gonna try even to find then, me a man, they don't, they don't have the five dollar tables. Ira, I don't know why. There'll be like too. one. There'll be like one table. Yeah, and there's like, 40 people around it, like waiting for the old lady to have to go to the bathroom because she's been there for six hours. I'm not and trying then to shove her to the ground and pounce on that seat. It's yeah, just throwing my green, give my green chip. I'm not trying to my lose my red a, chip. I'm not trying to lose a thousand bucks in 20 minutes in blackjack. But you're they also have a sports book. Thousand dollars in blackjack. It's in craps that you're going to lose a thousand dollars. Well, you got to be smart with it. My buddies, my buddies will bet way too much money. They'll have like four hundred dollars out on it, and they have just won probably a. Fourteen hundred dollars and one one roll, or one one continuous roll. But as soon as they lose, they're upset. It's like, man, maybe take some money off the table then, if you're going to lose and lose six hundred dollars on one roll. So I I don't play like that. I'm not that kind of craps guy. Also, go to the table with a game plan in terms not only of what you're going to do strategically with the game, but also how much you're willing to lose, how right. long you'll stay, how yeah, much. I'm, I'm don't walk you in willy nilly to a gambling weekend, guys. We got to know what we're willing to lose here. We'll have. Why don't we have a special seminal headlines like middle of August <laughs> to get people prepped for yeah. how they need to handle Harris? Yeah. 
And, and don't important. tell me if you want any money because I will ask if you've reported it, if you've told the IRS <laughs> course, about it. Of on, a, on a live radio program, to <laughs> dear friend in front of everybody. My fault. My fault. That's did, my bad. Did you report it? Did you file it? <laughs> <laughs> like, what kind of question is that? <laughs> Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio. It's not the Jeff Cameron Show. I'm being persecuted. Yeah, that's um, right. But it's, but it's seminal headlines that I'm being persecuted on. 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Hey, headliners and elite headliners, it's Ira here, and it's time to talk Shopify. As you remember, a couple of years ago, we wanted to create and sell headlines merch for the best podcast listeners in the world. That's you. But we had no idea where to get started. Now we're selling Yay Sausage shirts, and it's so easy, all because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're a startup working out of your man cave or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to grow your business without all the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. You could be selling Don Julio socks from Shopify's in-person point of sale system or offering headliner shirts from Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform. Whatever you need, you're covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love most about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up today for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase, and they'll help you grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Go to shopify.com slash warchant. Seminole Headlines is brought to you by Register Sausage, serving the Florida Panhandle and Lower Alabama for over 75 years. To find a store near you or to buy directly from Registers, head to registermeats.com. That's registermeats.com. Seminole Headlines returns now. Head to YouTube and search for War Chant TV today to catch the show live or on demand. Now, here's Jeff Cameron, Ira Chofel, and Corey Clark. You know, I must say, I must be a, an incredibly uh, generous endorser, but uh, Corey, you and I are both going to be doing this, so I just wanted to point out, well, Athletic Green's here, guys. Well, Athletic oh, nice. Green's here as we start. The, just I a little early endorsement. Uh, I haven't I haven't done mine yet, but I'm uh, Stephanie did and loved it. I got uh, to start mine tomorrow. I'll start mine tomorrow. It's good I've for been, gut health, Ira. It's good for yeah. your gut. Yeah. Sweet. And, uh, and, and it assures that you get proper uh, nutrition. So there you go. There you go. I've been doing it for a year and I've been paying out the ass to do it, by the way, guys. And so now it's great. Well, to that's not a great endorsement. A little it's reasonably thing. priced. <laughs> it's reasonably priced. <laughs> but, I mean, goodness. By the way, that tells you how much I've enjoyed it, that I've mm, continued yeah. to spend. It's just that's how to effective pay out your ass. it is. Just, yeah. just so you know, yeah. I saw Leonard Hamilton yesterday. So did you, Corey. I got a chance to talk to him. So I didn't see him. I did see Ray Allen, though. I got to see, Ray, see Allen Ray Allen walking out. That we was both cool. walked right next to Ray yeah. Allen. Yeah. He's apparently got a bunch of kids at this camp. Uh, four. Ira. Yeah. He's got four. Four kids at this camp. Uh, but I wanted to point out that um, that uh, Ham was in a good mood. I wish him well publicly here because he had just had hip surgery. Uh, re- relatively recently, and I go, man, you go from the Achilles to the hip, and he talked about it's a, it's hell to get old, uh, mm. but that he's but he's doing better. Uh, and the other reason that I bring up my conversation with Coach Hamilton is that he was obviously giddy 
about the latest addition to the basketball team. And so we should celebrate for a moment and at least make mention of Baba. It's exciting. He's supposed to be really good, man. He's supposed to be like a draftable kid, like an international prospect. And, and Gonzaga wanted him. So yeah, told me to be, he is. I mean, he's, he's big time. I mean, this is a, this is a big get. People aren't as familiar with him as if maybe he was a guy in the States. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's a huge get for Florida state basketball. Um, and I mean, it, when you look at what they've done through the, between the portal and then adding this to the recruiting class and what they've got coming back, I, mean, I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about this season. I know Jeff, you were starting to wane thinking oh, that the, the window, I, the window is closing, but I do this, think it's closing, but I am excited about this pickup, but I can, it can be both. The combination of him, the, the guard from us UCF, the kid they got from Brown, the shop locker defender, yep. Um, and then the guys they've got coming back and Cameron yeah, Fletcher, Matthew Cleveland they, coming back, Naheem McLeod. And I mean, it's, it's, I think this team's going to be, you know, last year's team got derailed obviously because of the injuries, but this team, I think, I think it's going to be better than that team easily. And I think yeah. if they can stay healthy, I think they can get back into that competition in the upper echelon. And you forget about the UCF kid. Uh, Green right. is his last name, right? Um, yeah. that, that, um, you know, I think he was their second leading scorer this year. He averaged 13 or something a game. He hit six shooter. Yeah, he had six threes against Florida State when they beat him in, in the Civic Center. He's also Brady's counselor at the camp this week, nice. so that's cool. Um, and to be honest with you, and I, this isn't, doesn't say much about me, I'd forgotten about him until Brady told me who his camp counselor was. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's an important piece. I mean, he's huge. You, you think about who you're losing, and then who, and you know, we won't mention people by name other than John Butler, which is, you know, this kid immediately makes you better at that spot, in my opinion. Um, because he's not going to just get pushed around and he can score at the rim. Um, but also, um, you know, other guys that maybe didn't shoot as well as you would have liked last year. Now you've got a kid that's proven he can he can hit seven, eight threes in a game if he gets hot. And Florida State hadn't had one of those. Well, I was going to say probably since MJ. MJ would have some games like that. But that's a they didn't shoot well at all last year at all. Um, so that that's a really that's a really important piece to go along with this kid who apparently is a bit of a freak who was 6'2 until he was 14 or 15, and then grew nine inches, so he still handles the ball like a guard. Yeah, Leonard was really excited, specifically yesterday when I asked him about it. He said he's a guy that... Uh, what? Does he, does he sign? No, he said excited. He said Leonard's excited. Yeah, okay. But I don't think he's allowed to talk about... Oh, no, oh, he signed. He signed. He's, it's official. Yeah, it's official. He's in. It was announced by the school. Yes. Okay, sure, I didn't sure see was. that. Yeah. Okay. Well, he, he's he's. In. I won't tell you when it was announced, Ira, but it has been announced by the school here in the last 24 hours. Yep. That he has so, signed. So the the point okay. would be he was excited about him, and he was he was saying about his potential that he's a guy that um, he feels like can come in and help them immediately. And you know, Leonard is loath to say that. He doesn't he doesn't put unrealistic expectations on people. He is, uh, you know, every time I try to get him on the record about a kid that they're going to get or that they are sure they have, he, if I say, what do you think he can be for us this year? He's always like, well, well, we'll see. We'll see. You know, he doesn't. And I always respect that he does that. And I'm not saying he overstated what he thought this kid would be, but that he was excited about him and he thought he could help right away. That says a lot because, again, Leonard doesn't put those kind of expectations on people too often. And do you think uh, – I brought this up on Wake Up Orchant. Do you think this is where uh, Florida State, for the immediate future, where they, they shift their recruiting focus maybe? Because I don't, I don't think they're going to get a lot of uh, – um, in the era of NIL, they're not going to be pulling a lot of Scotty Barneses and Patrick Williamses and, and of, the, of that ilk. So 
Is this where you go overseas where they can't have NIL deals because of work visas and things like that? Yeah. Or uh, is that, do you think that's what Leonard does for the, the remainder of his career? Because clearly until this happened, this had been the most pedestrian recruiting class Florida State had had in a good long while, ever since this 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 second run started. So maybe you this say is that, what he does. There were- they had a couple of four stars in there. It wasn't like a bad class. It just they didn't have that big five star guy, and they right. missed they out on a lot of five stars. Guys. They kept but, losing out on them. like the Derek yeah, Whitehead but, kid and, and other guys they were in the running for. They lost out, lost out on, and you wonder why. And I mean, you know, nil. I mean, it's not like Derek Whitehead went to UTEP. He went to Duke, I think. So he he he, he went to a pretty good place. But you got to imagine you're not competing with Duke when it comes to those kind of resources, I would think. And this just seems like maybe the one big kid they get each year or they have a chance each year with with maybe one or two international guys that maybe they weren't recruiting here recently. I think it's going to be a combination between that then also the portal. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and then, you know, and, and he's got so many relationships. He can still yeah. pull one big guy. But I think it's going to be a mixture of that. Um, and they've always done well internationally. And I don't think this is one where – um, this is a kid and his people just found out about Leonard Hamilton or just found out about Florida State. Florida State has had a lot of successful players his type. They've recruited internationally forever. Leonard Hamilton has connections that go back 50-plus years. In but don't all you think, Ira, this is, this is the most ready-made international player he's brought in? Like, this isn't a project. This isn't Bojanovsky or Ojo or Gilcrest or Kumaji or one of these guys. This, is, this dude should start for them, and they don't typically yeah. – bring in the the ready-made guys they're more like the project guys this guy was a was a you know again Gonzaga was after him he's considered to be one of the very top if not the top international prospect yeah that says it all I mean and we are now in an era where international prospects translate <laughs> they, they come in and they play well it used to be you're kind of like eh, I don't know what I'm gonna get most of the time, if you're a highly touted international prospect these days whether that's going into the NBA or college basketball it turns out that it translates. It's a good thing. So it's a huge well, game. So, and so much of the game has translated. So much of the United States game, the American game, has kind of started patterning a little bit more off the European game in the sense of, yeah. you know, the bigs playing outside, yeah. the perimeter game and all that. So you have guys that are, you know, it's, it's, it's a much smoother transition. And, again, I think what Florida State's been doing offensively uh, certainly fits in well. And I think that's a big reason they were able to give. I, I know everybody talks about Gonzaga a lot brings back those guys and that that hurt them no doubt but there's a lot of other schools that would have been interested too yeah. Florida State was a school he was very interested in because of what they've done the last few years yeah in fact his quote is one that should warm the heart I mean we we have really kind of fallen back on how much culture has played a part in coach Hamilton's ability to get uh, elite players to a place that really would have never been considered in the past. And he's created that culture. And that's why last year was so disappointing. In addition to the injuries, it seems they lost some of it. And I was really worried that, oh, man, could this be the beginning of the end of this incredible culture that they've been able to foster to where people come in and they adapt immediately to being unselfish. They come off the bench. They do those things. And they uh, acquiesce to the style of play where so many guys get so much time. And his quotes yesterday's uh, was basically what he said, Bob Miller said, the style of play matches mine with the abilities and the freedom they give their players uh, to play at any position. I love the culture at Florida State. As soon as I got there, I could see the brotherhood they have. They have tight relationships, 
players and coaches. I love the vibes that were there from this team right from the beginning. Well, that excited me to read that quote. I was like, okay, good. Okay, because that's something specifically that yeah. I've told people that has allowed Florida State to kind of get over on some of the bigger programs. That's one of the ways that they could get over was that they had created this uh, family atmosphere that people bought into and were proving to be unselfish and willing to, uh, again, give in to maybe playing less minutes than they would elsewhere. Well, and also you got to think about it. It ain't like he's coming over here to get a ton of shots. I mean, he's not going to get 18 shots a game. Caleb Mills is still here. Matthew Cleveland is still here. Fletcher's a very good player. And the green kid from UCF is the best shooter on the team. So there's not a lot of shots to go around. Um, and that's the one thing I do wonder about when we talk about this team, and not that we're going to break down the basketball team here in June, but who is the culture keeper? Who is the guy that like may, is like, man, it doesn't matter that you get seven shots a game. I know Leonard can do it and, the, and Stan can do it, but the, who are the players, that the Malik Osborne's, the Trent Forrest, the Anthony Polites that have, that have all these guys, Caleb, Fletcher, Cleveland, the, all they've experienced is getting routed in the ACC tournament and why Wilkes getting elbowed in the chest and crumpling. Like that's, that's their season last year with all those injuries and not a lot of great moments. So how do they how do they build that how do they build that culture that we were used to seeing the four years before that and don't let last season define who they are and I guess that's what Leonard gets paid a lot of money for is well, that's I mean, I his think, job too and I think there's a bunch of ways number one is all those guys come back in the summer Trent Forrest Devin Vassell yeah. Patrick Williams all those guys come back so they're around them they've, they've watched this team play they've seen how these guys have been successful they see how Scotty Barnes and, and Patrick went number four in the draft by not even starting. So those right. things are all important. And then I think the other thing is, you know, last year we made a lot of big, we made a lot of, uh, we talked a lot about last season about that team, the way they kind of gave up in some games, but man, I'm telling you, I really think a lot of that wasn't the culture crumbling. It was, you just didn't have anybody left. You didn't have anybody that could play. Everybody yeah. was hurt. It, you know, I don't think the culture has gone just because of that one bad season. It's good news, certainly, for the moment in June that they get a big name, and we'll find out about this team moving forward. Next up, headliner questions, obviously, on Seminole Headlines, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.